All right, welcome back everyone for to the Quantum Heart Cafe. I'm really excited uh, to announce that I have a very special guest tonight. Uh, she's the very first of I hope many uh, interviewers and just really interesting and inspiring people on this podcast. And I think the the knowledge and the wisdom that our guest speaker has tonight can help a lot of people as we navigate through these uh, difficult and uncertain times. And um, we met over Facebook and I've done a, a healing session with uh, our, our guest today and uh, her name is Julianne. And uh, she's one of the key facilitators at, um, oh, hang on, uh, Rich Works uh, Healing Ministry. And uh, they're, they focus on helping uh, mainly women uh, transmute and help women heal from trauma, uh, not just in the physical, on the physical 3D plane, but the four and 5D plane as well, which is really cool. Um, I know when I did my session with Julianne uh, not too long ago, I was doing, which is very common, I was doing a lot of uh, yawning and I think I had um, a stuffed nose and the experience with which works healing ministries has helped me uh, kind of shift through my own shadow. I know I still got lots of work to do uh, around there, but I think that helped open up some channels and probably even helped enable this podcast come to fruition. So I really appreciate that. And I really hope that uh, it was my intention tonight that uh, anyone who's listening, whether it's now or sometime in the future, that uh, you get some inspiration and some important information out of this uh, interview as we're going to uh, talk about quantum quantum physics and love and how we can uh, kind of transmute through this uh, this these uh, folks the laptop boys I like to call them the nerd herd uh, you know trying to uh, they're messing around with timelines and mess around with stuff that they really shouldn't be messing around with and you're uh, with with love and intention, I think we can uh, find another way. We can find a different path. And as I've said back in uh, a few podcasts uh, before, that the year 2019 and before that, it's not coming back, I don't think. Uh, but that's, a, that the, that's nothing to be afraid of. It just means that we just now it's time to take responsibility as responsible humans and adults and choose the choose the path we wish to go down because I can tell you now if we don't if we don't make a conscious choice there's a lot of people that are willing to do that for us and it won't be pretty um, and without for and before but before we get started uh, like with my uh, I do like to have this uh, kind of growing tradition where I share a little bit of gratitude before uh, talking about any of the main or doing an interview or before talking about uh, the main topic for the podcast. And uh, today I just want to, I'm just going to take a pause for just a few moments so to let people kind of get uh, get into space and get ready and then and share a little bit of gratitude. So just, um, I think today I'm grateful for a good sleep. I'm grateful for, I had a really nice sleep last night and that helped me uh, get have the energy to get through work today. It was a pretty busy day at work, and uh, I can't tell you enough how how nice it is to have a, a restful sleep. And I'm also grateful that I have 
a really nice place to live. It's a little studio and it's warm and it's comfortable, especially in the, this these times where, you know, it's kind of getting cold and it's winter out. So it's just uh, being grateful just to have a, a roof over my head and also grateful to have the company tonight of Julianne. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us tonight. And so I'd like to open the space for you if you'd like to share anything, any gratitude or oh. anything like that. Yeah, I'll tell you what really came through for me today. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm really, really grateful about. Um, you know, I have a lot of uh, poverty in my life's history, a lot of poverty. And as I've come up the scale and healed, um, things are better for me. Um, uh, I've been able to um, maintain and handle, you know, like larger, I, I've been able to see and experience and feel like larger amounts of money coming into my life and more regular money showing up. And like, um, here's my example. So um, my uh, front tooth had like a 25 year old crown and it fell off in October and I accidentally swallowed it. So I knew I had to, you know, get some work done in my mouth and we know that that's not cheap. Uh, I don't have insurance. I never have in my adult life. Uh, I, I had um, just health, just regular, never dental insurance. I had regular health insurance for three whole years of my adult life. And that's it. Never any dental, never anything like that. And I've been an adult for over 30 years. So um, <laughs> um, it's been a while, you know, with no insurance. So it actually happened that my mom um, sold like the house that we grew up in after many, many years. And I'm sure my parents like paid way more, you know, than the loan. Obviously, they probably paid, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars just to own their, you know, modest house, you know, over many, many years. So um, not everybody has the uh, privilege to benefit from the sale of a family home. That is a privilege. But honestly, my parents put zillions of, they paid from their early twenties till their late sixties to own a home, you know? And so like, if my mom got some of that money back that they poured all their money in like their entire life, you know, it's not like the worst thing in the world, you know, it's not like we're super rich or anything. So my mom gave me a little bit of that money. And, um, so I went to the dentist and, you know, I had certain ideas about what the issue might be and how much that, that might cost. And let's just say that I got one, set of bad news after another, after another, after quote unquote bad news. Okay. So like, this is going to end up costing me so much money. Now here are two ways I can think of this. I can think like, oh my God, I'm bleeding thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to the fucking dentist. Like I would rather do something else with that money, you know, and like, and I'm spending like large amounts of money and I'm feeling like shit, uh, you know, I could feel stressed about that. But here's the narrative that I write that where I put my gratitude, I mean, it may seem obvious, but even when you have money, sometimes when you have to spend a lot of it and you have a history of not having money, Every time you like have to spend a lot more money and a lot more money, you could like start to feel like a little poor or a little grasping or a little concerned. Like, is it going to mm -hmm. replenish, you know, like um, basically because um, I live in the gifting economy, I can't financially plan in any kind of, uh, you know, a conventional way at all. So um, 
But what I made up my mind to do is just like, instead of feeling pained that I have to part with so much money, of course, it's so obvious, but just to turn the narrative around and be like, how blessed I am to be able to be able to be bled dry by the dentist. Like, how blessed am I that right when I need to spend a lot of money on something very important in my body, you know, to take care of myself that's close to my head and close to my brain and close to my sinuses. And, uh, you know, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed. So I'm incredibly grateful um, that even though it seems like a lot of money to be spending on, you know, a thing um, that I'm just so, so grateful that it comes at a juncture that I have it. And also, you know, the universe works in funny ways. Like I totally got a call last night uh, to do a healing, like on the fly for someone who's super sick. And she didn't even wait for me to do the session. She just sent over like a huge chunk of money. And I'm like, whoa. And then today my mom um, just sent me like a little Christmas money. And I was like, wow, that's great. So even on a day that I had to put out, you know, X amount of, you know, digits, I had like all this money like flying in. And it's almost like the universe is like, Julie, I see you have to spend a lot of money, but don't worry. There's more where that came from, you know? So focusing, it's not how much I have sitting in the bank. It's just knowing that I have a relationship with spirit where the flow comes in. You don't need you know, $3 million in the bank, you don't need, you know, if, if you have a thousand dollars in the bank or whatever, it could be enough if you're in the flow, you know, as long as you never go to zero, if the flow is coming in, you could maintain a kind of low ceiling of like, you know, stored up resources, but it doesn't have to be a problem if you're in the flow. Anyway, mm -hmm. so uh, th that is totally my gratitude <laughs> that I am so blessed to be able to, you know, uh, have the money go out and just really know that spirit has my back. To this moment. That's really cool. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, like the complete reverse of that, like where you have the, the predator energy and it just hoards, it hoards and hoards and hoards. And it's just like, has everyone scared the bejesus out of everyone? Like the, I remember like a few years ago, like everyone was hoarding, uh like tissue like bathroom tissue right and then, right like, paper, yeah. and then here in van uh i live in the the pacific northwest and we had uh a storm not too long ago and the bridges went out and stuff like that uh but then there was the gas like a gas shortage and people again like just scaring the bejesus of everybody and they go and they hoard and hoard and hoard and so i'm just like um it feels like learning to get more in touch with that gifting economy is like a, a good step towards like choosing a different path, you know, like not. Yeah. You know, um, I, when I used to think about needing things too many times, I'd put it in terms of how do I get the money for that? Mm -hmm. And you don't, sometimes you can get the thing directly. Sometimes the universe will give you the thing directly. So um, I always mm -hmm. try to remind myself not to get caught up in, how am I going to get the money for that? Like, mm. I might not have to get the money from that. Somebody could gift me that thing if the universe wants them to, you know? So, like, you have to stay mm. open to miracles and, like, expecting the unexpected. Yeah. And, and, and don't think yourself into little loops where you keep yourself so small and put artificial mm. limits on yourself that aren't there. Yeah. And it's really cool. Like, I did an um, experiment a, lot, a little while ago uh whereas it was only starting off something small but i needed a walkie-talkie for work 
Uh-huh. And and so I'm just like, oh, like, how am I going to get a walkie-talkie? And then before I know it, some guy comes out of the elevator and he says, oh, I have an extra walkie-talkie. Would you like to use it today? And I was just ah, like, oh, no way. Exactly. So cool. The universe yeah. puts you in the right place at the right time. And like yeah. magic happens. And when you can reliably keep yourself in a space vibrationally where those synchronicities happen like every freaking day then like mm-hmm. you know that's where we want to be that's where every that's a space that everyone can live in is a state of like co-creative grace mm-hmm. and I feel like meeting you has been synchronous uh, like it was a major synchronicity and uh I'm reading your uh reading your essay and I was listening to the um the opening your third eye uh mm-hmm. the on your Instagram account yesterday and just like that was synchronous and I was yawning like quite a bit and some had my own I was doing research but I feel like some shadows got <laughs> got transmuted right. when I was doing that so it's like that was really cool awesome. and so I I think I want to ask is like how how did you come into doing this work like how uh, I imagine that the road was the the story maybe but long but were there any key moments throughout your your life that kind of brought you to this point in time yeah sure absolutely um I had complex PTSD for 23 years when I was 23 years old uh before or everybody was on the internet talking about narcissists and empaths and you know uh you know abuser dynamics and you know the, the abuser playbook and all that um, um, I ran into that as a completely naive uh, young uh, woman and had no idea about any of that, had had a very relatively uh, sheltered childhood. And so um, I just never really, uh, th- there were, I wasn't exposed to like really dysfunctional relationships. Like my parents were like, whoo, kind of salt of the earth kind of people, you know, um, they were responsible parents and they, they, they didn't have any like wild behavior or no like drinking problems or narcissist like we didn't have any of those things you know it was kind of like the regular low-key uh, uh well I don't know anyway it's kind of relative but um I didn't really um get exposed to like serious levels of dysfunction or somebody who was really like a sociopath or a psychopath or you know what some people a narcissist um, until I was 23. So like, I didn't know what was happening, you know, I mean, <laughs> anyway, so um, I, I went through some domestic abuse. Um, I had children with two men who were like extremely violent to me, extremely coercive, verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, sexually abusive, uh, pimped me out, forced me to do porn under threat of violence. Um, weird, weird fucking shit. Um, and I had a baby with each of them <laughs> pretty much in a row, like really fast, like, um, in, in two years, uh, in, in three, three years I had had, you know, uh, two babies. So, um, like, experienced violence through my entire, both of my pregnancies, like it was really terrible. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and the first one, there was some violence after uh, my pregnancy. I, I, me and my oldest daughter, uh, who was four months old, uh, we lived through a shooting um, and it was my father's 
or my daughter's father uh, that did the shooting. And uh, he shot and killed someone in front of us. Uh, and that person tried to, we fig he figured that like my, my husband was trying to hurt us because that's what, you know, uh, usually happens. Um, and so a man tried to grab the gun. And so like my husband ended up killing his brother. And um, so, I mean, there was like that thing, you know, there was, so there was some trauma um, and there was a domestic abuse. There was like uh, a lot of really weird, sick sexual abuse, um, uh, weird stuff. Uh, yeah, like grooming into porn. Like my, my husband was actually like trying to convince me to like go be a prostitute on the street in, in San Francisco. Like he was trying to tell me like how I should do it. Like he was this weird, like sick groomer. Um, and I was so mentally abused that I did a lot of the things that he pushed me to do because I just wanted to make the violence stop. Anyway, so I, I knew I had kind of PTSD, but I didn't even really know about complex PTSD until kind of recently, maybe in the last five or six years. So I was raising my kids. Anyway, both the those those violent people left our lives early on, and I didn't really have to put up with them much later on. Um, but I was left with like terrible, terrible complex PTSD. Um, which made me an extremely dysfunctional, extremely fucked up person um, who loved my children dearly, but I had so many triggers and um, I was really consumed um, by like kind of spiritual parasites who were continually feasting on like the continually bleeding wounds that I had never healed, you know, from that violence. And all. it was like a terrorism, like, definitely it was like living through emotional terrorism i mean domestic violence uh, victims under, under you know uh, suffers uh, survivors understand this hmm. anyway so i i tried and tried and tried i like looked into various ways of healing and i was aware that people were doing modalities like even energy work modalities that were healing trauma and so i looked into a lot of them i bought certain programs and listened to certain things um uh, like kind of therapeutic things that are supposed to like expand your consciousness and help you you know deal with stuff um over the years, I had a couple one-off sessions, like one lady would be like, you know what, I'll just give you an hour of my consultation or whatever. And like, that would kind of activate me and help me and get me through. And then like, you know, a year later, some other lady would give me like one free, like basically I was navigating my trauma through like women offering me like the occasional free session. Cause I was like terribly, terribly in poverty when I did have access to money and I tried to buy stuff to do about it. Like a lot of people know about um, tapping it's called EFT emotional freedom technique. And it has to do with like tapping certain points while you're like remembering like a thing that you want to release. And you'll be like, even though, um, this, this, that I very deeply accept and love myself unconditionally. And then you'll like tap these points to like, try to get it out of your body. So I, was more in, I didn't really trust conventional therapists, um, at all. Um, and never did and still don't. Um, 
so I didn't want to waste my money on like conventional talk therapy. I knew that's not where my healing was going to be at. Um, <clears throat> so I tried to do like self-help programs. So I'd like buy a, a thing about tapping and then I'd try to like make myself practice it. Except my poor complex PTSD brain, like it was really, really hard to develop habits. And so like, I'd have these resources and then I'd like lose them, <laughs> you know, or I'd have these resources and I wouldn't use them. Or I'd have these resources and I'd kind of start and kind of fall off, you know? And so like, um, I, I, I spent 23 years in like deeply wounded and I, it was terrible. And, and, and sometimes actually it only got worse as something else happened to me after many years of like, not really too much trauma, except for just the suffering that started from the original trauma. Um, there was a, a group of five men who conspired to drug me with two different kinds of drugs and then rape me as a group. And that happened in 2015. So that was like another big thing that was like, oh, I was trying to climb out of the pit and then that happened. And I was like, <sighs> so um, honestly, that trauma adhered in my gut and I had a very serious uh uh, gut cancer for like three to four years uh, that I didn't realize it was cancer. It was terribly disruptive though. I was so sick that I couldn't work for like six months. And even when I went back to work, I really shouldn't have been at work because I was trying to answer the phone while I was like burping nonstop because there was something so sick and disturbed in my gut that it was constantly making gas to such a pressury way that if I didn't push the burps out, it felt like I was going to explode. <laughs> so all day at work, I'm like trying to quietly like burp while I'm talking on the phone. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That, that was when I had cancer and didn't know it. Um, so I started just working on a rebalancing and healing my gut. The problem was I didn't have a lot of money to like buy healthy products, you know, to help mm -hmm. me heal and stuff. And so here, my rock bottom is after all this trauma, and I was really, really, really sick with this gut thing that I didn't know was cancer. I just knew it was something really bad, but I literally never dreamed it was cancer until I got that um, kind of gnosis later on. Mm -hmm. um, and I was so poor, I had nothing. Like I could, I barely had money for food, and I'm just laying on the couch with like a, a rose quartz this size, like clutched my stomach and a bar of selenite that I put the end of it on the selenite to like have the selenite like clear the pain and stress and the illness out and it actually helped a little bit and so I was laying on the couch just clutching crystals and listening to like free sound healing on YouTube and that's what I was doing for my cancer like because <laughs> I was literally too poor to even buy like healthy nutritional things for it. So finally I got a little bit of support and I talked to like a naturopathic doctor and he gave me a very thorough consultation. And we did a, a thing where I put my hand on like a, a, a testing reader thing and it read like 14,000 different vibrational signatures in my body and gave me like a 14 page report about what that all meant with um, suggestions for what foods I should and shouldn't eat, what supplements I needed, uh, what colors were good for me. And we also did like a little a session about, he gave me some statements that like 
if I said them, they would cause stress because there's underlying trauma related to them. And so we did a, about an hour session where I would say those statements and you would have me like touch different parts of my body kind of like crossing, which is there are multiple trauma therapies that have to do with like switching stuff, switching your feet. And it has to do with like reconnecting the sides of the brain. And so I noticed that that was a theme in various healing modalities was like reconnecting the sides of the body through various things. Um, Cause I've been exposed to a lot of different uh, types of uh, therapy. <clears throat> You're like, we're like kind of energy modalities. I, I shouldn't use the word therapy because that's a conventional word and energy modalities is what I mean. Um, so let's see, where was I going with that? So um, I was trying to make a comeback from all this trauma is where I was going. All right. So um, finally things got so bad. My lowest low, I actually healed my, oh no, no, I was still, nope. I still Yep. No, my gut was still real, real bad. Um, and I had this issue with my child where we just couldn't not fight. And we didn't, we didn't just have a discussion. It became like this, like desperate meltdown, dramatic, horribly demonic argument, honestly, where I feel anyway. Um, and, and I, I realized one day I was like, after a certain thing happened, I was like, this cycle keeps going and going and going, and it's not getting any better. If I don't find a way to heal my trauma once and for all, like my family member is either going to kill me or kill themselves. Literally, literally, I can't even emphasize how literal that is. And I was like, shit. And at the time I was unemployed. Um, and I didn't have a car <laughs> and I had about $180 to my name, but um, I decided that I would ask the wisest woman on the planet that I was personally aware of for help. So I picked my wisest woman, my best role model, um, and she was an astrologer and a spiritual facilitator. And so I um had a session with her to, you know, to try to get to the root of the issue. And she did, she did really well. She got to the root of the issue. She said, Julie, I'm looking at you and your energy field. You have energy parasites. Like you have stuff attached to you. You have attachments that are draining you and influencing you and you need to get them off. So she referred me to who I call my facilitator and my facilitator's name is uh, uh, Jennifer. Uh, I can't, uh, I, she, the, you know what? She's not, she has such a great clientele already. She doesn't have to really advertise and her website is like kind of a throw away. It's just like a place marker. It's kind of a joke. There's not really much there. Um, basically I just give people her email address, you know, it's like Jennifer at jenniferhealing.com. That's how I'll refer her. All right. So, um, I, uh, started getting distance healing sessions, like on a video call with, uh, Jennifer. And I was so lucky because somebody in my life said, Merry Christmas, here's some money for four therapy sessions. And so like, that's how I 
started healing. All right. So what Jennifer did was she taught me how to um, remove energy parasites that are invisible, but are you can feel them. And now I've learned to recognize the signs of them. And the interesting thing is the way these energy parasites behave, since we don't generally know enough about them, most people don't. People think that the behavior of those energy parasites and the words and the energies of those parasites are themselves. And that is unbelievable. And it's taken me like coming all the way from being like really, really predated upon to like recovering from like my complex PTSD and then blooming into having a new healing modality, like just be emergently birthed through my body that I didn't even know was going to happen. And now like I can, it, 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 it's like, you don't, you, you get the full picture when you were all the way messed up and then you come all the way back and you're healed. And then you know, like what the whole journey looks like. And so like some people who are still trapped in trauma, they'll try to tell me like, Oh, Julie, this can't be true. Or that can't be true. I'm like, you don't know it's true because you haven't had the embodied experience to heal. So how would you know if you're still not healed? How would you know like what's possible? Because you're, you know, you only know what's possible in as far as, you know, where you are, you know? So that's why I love to listen to the lived experiences of other um, women. So basically, yeah, um, my endeavor, which works healing ministry was first directly as a result of my suffering, <laughs> my trauma and um, my personal healing journey, which included like healing my own cancer while I was healing from complex PTSD. And then um, practicing, continuing to practice <clears throat> taking um, energetic parasites off of people, which my, my original facilitator, she can do that because she has a psychic sight. So when, say, um, like she could see the attachments that I had because she has this gift, but I don't have any gift like that. So basically, I took the process that she gave me to remove stuff and I just started practicing using divination because I couldn't see. And so instead of being able to see, I would just outsource, you know, getting my answers of yes or no, I would find ways to ask questions to find out about what people's parasites might be. And then I would get yes or no answers. And based on my yes or no divination answers, I would, you know, do the process and people were getting better. People were getting better. Like just my using Jennifer's process on them. And um, people noticed a lot of things. And I worked on some people that were actually kind of psychic and they could tell me right away, even when I started practicing, they're like, Julie, I can hear the entities in there. They're scared of you. They hate you. They're telling me, don't tell her we're in here. Don't tell her we're in here. <laughs> like people could tell me that the entities were talking like here. I can't even see these little guys, you know, but I come in with my process and they know I'm going to get them. And so basically what I've done, I just this part this question is I've practiced, um, 5,000 hours of like magic and ritual. All right. And 4,000 hours of that has been like my own frequency practice of what I learned to do based on practicing what Jennifer 
taught me to do. So I practiced Jennifer's thing until it bloomed and grew into my own like emergent healing modality. So my emergent modality is now like a community utility. Anyway, so I didn't know I was a healer at all. All I wanted to do, I was, I was, um, I was doing magic since 2015 and 16, especially in 17, yeah, um, before I started healing. So I was already doing ritual magic to some degree. <clears throat> and um, then when I started healing and practicing magic, oh my gosh, my life got better so dramatically, like dramatically. And it's just gone like nothing but like a big spiral up, you know, uh, since then. So basically all it took for me to get in touch with my gift was to spend hours practicing doing something. And that's what we call embodying the scientific method, Mm. except I'm not outsourcing it to guys in white coats getting paid X amount by corporations. I'm doing it here in my own life with my own body of practicing a thing over and over and over and over again. And that gives you a body gnosis. And then after a while, your body gnosis will start to tell you new things about what else you can do. And so I just ran with that. So that's how I became a healer is I suffered a lot and then I healed a little and then I healed a lot real quick. And then I just kept practicing and now I healed a few. Oh, that's really inspiring. And <laughs> like the, the last part where you're saying that um, we don't need to outsource our own healing or anything to anybody else. We can do it within. And it's so cool. Cause like, and, and it's almost serendipitous because I've been uh, learning a bit more about um, like, esoteric science and I've been reading some of Dion Fortune's books and I've been reading and just understanding and even she was saying just commit 10 minutes a day to meditation or so you know it's just like you don't need to have a priest you know you don't need to have like a the guys in the collars or the guys in the white coats you can have a direct experience or a direct connection with the divine that's what I always wanted I hungered and thirsted after that. And I felt, um, cut off because I felt like I could talk to the divine and I knew the divine heard me, but I couldn't get any answers. And I was like, this is no kind of a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So frustrated and pissed off. (laughs) I was looking, looking, I was so hungry. Mm -hmm. I was looking for ways to connect. I was buying, you know, so-and-so's meditation, you know, to, follow their guided meditation and like, and they work for some people, like in some people you'll do their meditation and your guides will show up and give you a breastplate of truth and a sword of jewels. And I mean, that's great. You know, that works for some people, but I always wanted to be like Claire audience or, um, or, uh, have psychic sight. you know, I mean, those are kind of really, uh, kind of stereotypically exciting superhuman you know abilities that do absolutely exist and I I was always kind of envious because I actually knew like I met various magical women but I always got the impression that magic was something that other people were born with and I just wasn't so Mm -hmm. I never had anyone really explain to me that how I could tap into my own magic like I never really had anyone 
explain a role model or you know anyone Hmm. i i I saw other people tap women tapping into their own magic you know but they didn't they they were just happy doing that they didn't have a way to ignite other people to do that you know Mm -hmm. so finally um uh my in 2015 my oldest child gifted me a tarot deck and my my child was like grown they were like 18 and they were like mom i bought this tarot deck for myself, but spirit told me to give it to you. <laughs> so I got a tarot deck for my birthday, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, "You mean this is how I communicate with source?" <laughs> and oh boy, change really fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, nobody was stopping me. <laughs> Um, what, oh, uh, was there, was, uh, was there a question behind that or, um, uh, well, I wasn't sure if I finished the point of whatever I was talking about. Uh, I don't know. Cause I think I, I was just, uh, thinking about like how, and it's the same in a way, like, um, magic and art is the same way, or they're very much intertwined with each other. And just when you were saying that, like, when you were just starting out, you didn't feel like you, you know, you thought that magic was for someone else. Like other people yeah. had magical gifts, but you didn't realize uh-huh. that you, you too have magical gifts. And I just wanted to share with people that we all have our gifts, right? And maybe now's the time to tap into those gifts. And I think now, like, given what's going on with like transhumanism, or the sorry the the role towards transhumanism I don't I'm not living in inevitabilities it's just one possible future right Um, right no there are certainly large uh pushes uh for that mm -hmm. by you know the moneyed predator class you know but luckily we have inputs too we have uh we have something to say about that too that's (laughs) right and that's what is well maybe it wasn't just my inspiration alone to start this channel but that's where I just want to share with people that maybe you're the one that you're waiting, you've been waiting for, like, uh, kind of like last, last week, I, I uh, did a, and I was inspired by Alison McDowell's work, because uh, in her lectures, she's always uh, sharing the book, A Wrinkle in Time, and, uh, you know, th- throughout the book, it's like, when Meg realizes that she's the one to go save her father, I don't know if you've if the audience has yes, read the I book read yet. Wrinkle in Time when I was in yeah. fourth grade. It was like one of my favorite ever. And like when Meg realized that she's the one to save her father, that because uh, uh, before that she was always looking to other people to save her father or uh, other people to save her brother, like, uh, you know, when Charles gets captured. Yes. And that's kind of like where we're at right now. We're, as a, as a collective, we're looking for other people to air quote oh, save us from the ba- the mad scientists and the bad <laughs> exactly. guy and who's it's just like save us? <laughs> that's right and i think the the message is that we're it folks and that's I not know. a bad thing that was a huge yeah. shift in my life is mm-hmm. right up into the point until i started healing in late 2017 I was still cycling uh, around 2016. I gave up cycling in like kind of 
uh, false new age narratives of, oh, you know, now the angels are going to save us or now the, you know, ETs are going to save us. And finally, I was like, you know what, I, this is just not it for me. And I gave up those saviorism narratives. And then I was still looking for saviorism in the way of like, all these people talking about Nasara and Gasara and like, you know, they're going to May, they're going to make the open the floodgates and give us all this money and share is there are certain conspiracy narratives that there is mm. there's like you know that they're going to start giving us all this money that they've stolen from us over these mm. years which they certainly have and you know i was honestly i was so desperate financially that i was like really buying into those kind of saviorism narratives of nasara and gasara they're right around the corner you know and then i started getting uh healing and then i dropped that shit right away <laughs> i was like nope actually i see how we are doing this and i'm not waiting on anybody anymore mm -hmm. and i was like nope i am done with that done with that so well and i think um when I was reading through your essay, um, I'm just gonna grab the title, uh, The Applied Quantum Physics of Loving Kindness. Um, and this kind of relates to the uh, next question because I feel like this this one's kind of coming up. So I wanted to um, share it, hang on, just uh, it's just how um, liberation and resistance, like the difference between liberation and resistance, because there is a like it's on. I I'm leaving Facebook at the end of the month, so I'm not. I don't want to be on Facebook anymore. Um, but uh, you know, there's a, a there's a a group of resistance. You know, people trying to resist it, and there's the right. liberation. And I just yes. maybe if you can um, kind of explain the the differences. I would between those love two. to speak on that. I okay. would love to speak on that. Okay. All right, so um, um, <clears throat> uh, so um, to resist is to look at unfair power structures, unjust hierarchies. Is basically like all the problems in the world come down to not just unjust hierarchies, but hierarchies at all. Like literally the world would be a just place if we could get rid of all hierarchies. So that's the analysis that we want um, as far as like getting uh, out of oppression. We want to end the idea that somebody else is more important than somebody else, you know, that somebody else's life has more worth than somebody else, you know. Um, if we didn't have that, then uh, we wouldn't have uh, these issues. So um, it's definitely an important stage of consciousness when you awaken to the fact that there's unjust systems uh, and, you know, how that manifests around you in various guises, you know, against various sectors of people, you know, there's sexism there's racism there's you know like heteronormativity to the point you know of homophobia you know there's colonialism imperialism you know it goes uh, uh sex i did say sexism right? um so when you recognize that there's injustice the first thing you want to do is be like I'm against that. All right, so that's the resistance phase. And it's important uh, to resist, but 
but not to stop there. Okay, okay, so what the powers always want us to do, they want us to fight them, all right? So they want us to resist um, because when we fight them, then we engage with their systems. You know, we like go to court. We're, we're, we're going to do Nuremberg 2.0, you know, and there's a, a very famous Black woman poet liberation thinker, Audre Lorde, and she very famously said, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. So like basically if the court system was set up by, you know, the predator class and, you know, years of occult, you know, puckery, <laughs> um, uh, you know, and, and is populated with people who belong to the Masons and, you know, uh, you're, you're not going to get justice from the courts. You know, you're not going to beat the man in the courts because the courts are the fucking man. Like, let's be yeah. real here. Right. Okay. So, you know, resistance is great, but don't get stuck there. Cause when we fight what is, when we fight what is, then that's how they take our energy. Because then we're engaged with them on their playing field and they take our energy. And so when we decide we do that, that's how it's easy for them to set up psyops and smoke screens where they like give us an idea that we might be winning, <laughs> you know, but like mostly that's just manufactured, like that's just manufactured. But if they can get you to buy into like, oh, we're fighting in the court and you might have a chance to win, you know, then people are putting all their energy and like, watching that drama unfold instead of like changing their communities. So what I learn in healing is that it's good to resist justice. That's a certain level of consciousness that you need to reach. You're like, oh, here's injustice. Now we have to resist this. But the next thing that you learn as you heal is that your resistance is what's actually in your way. So the next step of uh, the next vibrational level of consciousness up beyond resistance is acceptance. When you're like, okay, I totally accept that these people are doing this thing and it's terrible. So what I'm gonna do with that acceptance is I'm going to breathe into a new space and say, what can I make with my community that will be better than what they have to offer because then when free thinking individuals see, oh, I can do this thing here, or I can do what this community is doing, they will flock to the good thing. So mm -hmm. that's what Bucky Fuller, Buckminster Fuller said. And, and I mean, I'm sure it probably comes from, you know, most great thoughts that are like accredited to men were literally like came from women and culture somewhere in history that's been suppressed. But mm -hmm. I will say that Buckminster Fuller is popularly known for saying like, don't fight what is, create the new paradigm and people will populate that and the old systems will die of attrition because then you're not wasting energy. You're not wasting energy fighting what is, you're creating the new. So that's where I am in my life of healing and also looking at, you know, the fourth industrial revolution and, you know, the internet of bodies and Blockchain. nanotech and AI and all this like, whoa, <laughs> all this crazy, crazy tech. And it, it, it's totally mad scientist tech. Um, yeah. It's like totally driven by a patriarchal 
necrophilic death culture that mm-hmm. just wants to eat up life until and until there's death and nothing left and then they're going to cough up death and make the dead people eat the the alive people and the, the 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 plans of the necromancers are so like nasty like Pretty so insane. I feel like once i reached a point where i was like okay i understand tm the fuckery all right like i probably at this point i almost never every once in a while spirit guides me to watch something and i usually get something really great out of it that i needed but i'm not in the habit of like constantly keeping up with like the latest doctor that found this and the latest Mm -hmm. doctor that said that and see what they're doing there is they're still propping up a culture of where you need the doctors Mm-hmm. Where the real revolution is when we take back our power, when we um, ask our bodies what's going on and how re uh, like rehome our relationship like with our body and with the land to bring our uh, relationship with health and healing back to our embodied natures and back to our communities and back to the land and back to the land's medicines and foods, you know, instead of being like, no, this guy trained and he's like God, you know, um, a, a woman doctor, Dr. Amanda Fulmer, she is, um, she's also, uh, you know, one of these doctors that's in the field, you know, it's not that any of them are wrong or you shouldn't listen to them or anything. It's just like, I do know she she had a very good feminist critique of medical school. She says that medical school is totally like narcissism training that they like work you to death and then they shower you with gifts and parties and tell you how special you are. You know, you're the ones that made the cut. You're the doctors. And so they like love bomb you. And then they haze you and they love bomb you and then they haze you and then they love bomb you and then they haze you. And she described in detail how they do that in medical school and your residency and whatever, because she went through it. And I was like, damn, I have never heard a feminist analysis of like how medical school literally produces narcissists intentionally. I was like gobsmacked. That was some good, good analysis. Anyway. Um, so, you know, like, I don't want to be outsourcing my health to like this privileged class of like, you know, narcissists who literally got where they were by like colonialist gatekeeping, sexist gatekeeping, you know, racist gatekeeping, you know, cause we know who gets into academia and why, you know? yeah. I mean, there are other trends, counter trends, but talking about the large history and not just the last 40 years you know mm-hmm. anyway well so I, I you know we, we I, I see like all these you know the latest video and the latest expert and this doctor said that is it, it does continue to support this culture of like we need experts outside ourselves but I'm going for a really radical sovereignty where how do we co-create community where we unlock all of our own magical gifts so that we don't need to well I mean we're always going to need each other but I don't think we should need each other like in this hierarchical, like, oh, I have to go to this person who has the specialized knowledge because like, I don't know any, especially when like someone's going to have specialized knowledge about your body. I mean, our bodies belong to us. Why don't we all uh, get into this? You know, and I have ways of doing that, that I've been applying that have been really working for me. Mm. 
So uh, just to finish up the thought of, about resistance. So they want to absorb our energy. So they want to keep you fighting what is, you know, uh, so, so when you graduate from that school, then you can be like, how can I co-create community with other people to unlock our own inherent gifts so that we don't have to keep going to like these gatekeeping experts, you know, who are working with moneyed people to lie to us and murder us. <laughs> I don't want to be asking these dudes for anything. <laughs> these people. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't want to be asking the Western medical class of Western medical, you know, colonial, you know, uh, allopathic doctors uh, about my body. That's, those are not the people that I want to talk to about that. <laughs> yeah. And what boggles my mind is that, like, uh, I mean, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to look into the history of these companies as well to see that they've created stuff that has hurt and maimed people throughout the ever they're, since they're they all, started they're all legit documented corporate criminals mm -hmm. you know but 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 that's the mind fuck of like getting you in this fear space that you don't know enough about your body you have to be beholden to this doctor class because mm -hmm. they know everything and you don't and that sets people like us up to be abused you know mm -hmm given the wrong medications, um, you know, a bullied, uh, malpracticed. I mean, even before COVID, even before COVID, 400,000 people every single year, it's been documented. I've found it a bunch of places. A minimum of 400,000 people a year died just from the practice of medicine. From, we call it iatrogenic harm, iatrogenic harm. It is harm that was generated by freaking doctors that kill people, right? You know, somebody did surgery and took the wrong arm off, you know, like this stuff happens, you know, uh, some, you know, a doctor's like operating on a woman's uterus and he leaves like packing material in her body and like sews her up and then she has to realize that like this stuff happened this was somebody I know this was my mom's gynecologist like just for an example like I mean there are a zillion examples of like people so so they're like oh what when they were like oh 700,000 people died of COVID I was like okay a lot of those deaths weren't COVID deaths. We know they were like faking those numbers and attributing a lot of deaths to COVID that weren't COVID. But even if it were true, every single year, 400,000 people die just from doctors and nobody's been crying about that. And that's all, all, more than half of that number, you know? So I'm like, where were all you people when, when medicine's just been murdering people straight up? Like, where mm -hmm. were you? I've been hollering about this for like 20 years, iatrogenic harm, you know, and like the hundreds of thousands of people that it kills every year. And now everybody's like, oh, I'm losing their minds, you know? And I'm like, where were you all this time? Like you, you're only riled up by the fear propaganda. You don't actually have a perspective on what's really killing people. <laughs> and I would or add to- Harming them, yeah. Yeah, and, and just- well, and I'd add as well is that there's an increasing trend, and I think this is all part of like their necromancer narrative, is that to also see our bodies as an adversary. Like, totally. Oh, to yeah. To see our They're, body well, as I call disgusting. It institutionally, and, like, uh, institutionalizing uh, bodily dissociation. Yeah. <laughs> we talk a lot about that in, in a radical feminism and embodiment and what it means and capitalism absolutely wants us to dissociate 
from our bodies. And now there are you know, the, all the transhumanist forces and edges where they're showing up across various issues from to like transgenderism. Um, mm-hmm. That's another transhumanism thing front. It's a front for transhumanism um, mm-hmm. showing up there. Um, and, and it's all about institutionalizing bodily dissociation instead of saying, oh, well, maybe you have some healing to do and need to reconcile with your body and love, learn to love yourself the way you are. It's now, now it's all about viewing the body as a capitalist assemblage of component parts. This really like sick kind of fragmentation that like capitalism instills and normalizes into our worldview. Mm-hmm. So we need to graduate from resistance um, and to co-creating the world that we want to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and, 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 and to do that, we have to like get out of these fear loops, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I get it. It's so easy. I mean, I've been a truther since like 2007, you know, and I've been scared of, I called them the, what did I call them? The, um, I called them the power mongers. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was my first phrase for the predator class. <laughs> it's like the power mongers are trying to kill us, and I was terrified, honestly. It was, it was, it was, so the the terror that some people are just waking up to now, like I've been in, you know, since like mm-hmm. 2007. Um, but that's where they want us. So, like when we are finding out these things, we have to say, okay, this is what these people are trying to do but we have loving human hearts. What can we do as humans to cultivate? Well, it's not so much like that we have to dismantle what they're doing, although that's one phase of it. Anytime that people are speaking up in their local school boards or or their, their businesses or their communities or their organizations, you know, against this kind of tech encroachment of AI, I mean, that's great and it needs to be done. Totally. Um, but they would love to like, just keep us fighting them in their arena. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to find um, multi-dimensional ways uh, to outcreate. I, I, I say our task is to outcreate the destroyers. And we're not going to do that by like fighting them in court. Although if some like rich white lawyers want to like do that, that's probably the best thing we should be doing. I'm not saying that nobody should be doing that. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that for the rank and file, like we can do more than like follow high profile court cases. You know, um, we have to start learning to embody things. Now, this is what I learned in healing is that I had all these great concepts and I had all these great like understandings of like ideas and stuff, but I was like, I understand all these spiritual like concepts, but why isn't my life getting any better? (laughs) And it's because I wasn't embodying them. And so once you finally heal enough to start to embody the things um, that you learn, um, then you can apply them. So, oh, you did ask me about liberation. So liberation, okay. So liberation is the idea of, um, Okay, so there's, I'm going to give the example of feminism. There's a, there's a kind of popular, the current kind of brand of feminism is like 
how successful can you be within capitalism? How uh, badass of a woman entrepreneur, you know, and like wear your five inch heels and make your stacks of money. And like, um, it, like how empowered can you be um, selling your sexuality? You know, it, it, it's, it, it's like using feminism to like climb the capitalist ladder. And like, that's not what the original movement to, uh, to uh, against male supremacy, you know, mm -hmm. to be free of male supremacy was about, we call it liberation because liberation is a collective concept. Empowerment is a personal concept and capitalism mm -hmm. wants to sell you empowerment. They're like you as an individual within the system that we take for granted can do, can accomplish X, Y, Z. And so what liberation is, is saying like, no, we don't want your system. We don't want stuff in your system. We want to live outside of your system free of violence and free mm -hmm. of coercion. And nobody is free until we're all free. So it's important to define liberation as a collective concept where you reject the paradigm and go do something else. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to like win inside the shitty paradigm that you've been offered. You're like, no, thanks. We don't want that. We're going to go over here and do something different. So in that way, the original women's liberation movement in the early seventies, especially with women of color, finding their voices mm -hmm. and sitting together in rooms and comparing their experiences and forming feminist analysis of male supremacy. Um, like that was a very fertile, powerful time where people were talking about collective liberation. And then it is well documented that Gloria Steinem was paid by the FBI to take the women's liberation movement in the direction mm -hmm. of let's break the glass ceiling and, and, and to feed women into the capitalist machine. And so we're seeing, you know, the fruits of that, you know, these days with now, like all feminism cares about is that uh, women can uh, sell their bodies, you know, and that's, that's freedom mm -hmm. and the unleashed, their freedom over their sexuality that, uh, that women, uh, that men can be women and that men can buy women. That's all that modern feminism seems to care about. And that's not feminism, you know, yeah. liberation feminism is a collective for everyone. So we want to move into a space of liberation. Liberation is when you heal yourself and then there are also ways of doing interdimensional energy modalities and uh, the movement of energy and vibration uh, work to actually liberate others too. Uh, uh, uh -huh. So yeah, I just wanted to get to the end of, cause you did ask me the full thing and I had not addressed liberation. So thanks well, for giving me the chance to do that. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, it's kind of, uh, I think it, it's a nice lead into the next uh, question because I, um, like how can women who are interested in this work start uh, getting involved and learning how to be co-creators within their uh, community? Because I, I remember when I was listening to um, your video on Instagram yesterday that uh, it was co-creating or working with magic to co-create justice. And so yes. how, yes, and yes. How, can, how can women uh begin to uh like access this work and start to do that in their own lives right okay 
that's a really big topic. I'm going to mm. try to get it down to bite sizes and not wander too far. And um, so, yeah, um, I would say, I would, I have two ways that I'm using right now. Okay. Um, I started a, a group of women because the women that I wanted to work with were not all in my geographic area. It was an online space. I made a group that was uh, a coven, but I mean, my, my feelings and my awakenings around magic, you know, history has um, a lot of people who just used magic to do selfish things for mm -hmm. aggrandizement, for their own pleasure, for their own benefit. And um, I knew in my bones, I guess from, um, I've had some Akashic Records readings and basically I've been a healer in like almost all my lives and that I've, I've done a lot of witchcraft in other lives. So I, when I finally started tapping into my ritual uh, witchcraft, by myself, um, I knew that like, I wasn't here to be a witch to like, you know, get some frivolous thing, like to make my life like a party or something like that's not what you use magic for. I was like, I knew in my bones that the purpose of magic is to reduce suffering and co-create more justice. And so with that like fire in every cell of my body, I started this coven and um, I called it a, a women's 5D cyber coven for individual ecological and political healing. So I was very, very ambitious. I wanted to heal on all the levels. So what we ended up doing is um, writing, articulating intentions. And at first, um, I kind of had, um, each time we did a moon cycle, the intentions might be different. And then after like a year, I got into a habit of, oh, well, we, that we have certain intentions to improve the world on like all various levels, right? And there are a lot of details of like how we thought that the world would be better as we developed because I was crowdsourcing intentions and like writing that some myself and getting some from my sisters. And um, so I, I, at first there was like a little debate in my mind. I was like, so if you do a spell for something, should you trust that like you already did the work and therefore not do it again? Um, or, uh, and, and then I realized I'm like, oh, you know what? If I do a spell for X to happen, like I'm sending a certain amount of energy towards that likelihood of that happening. And so if I do another spell for the same X, it's not because I don't trust that my first spell worked. It's because I just want to send more energy. So once I got that clear in my mind, I thought, oh, well, uh, there was a woman in the group who suggested that we just keep doing the same intentions and then add more as we came up with them. But as we had really good intentions for justice, that we should continually, periodically, you know, cyclically move energy for the same intentions, you know, because they were good ones. And so why shouldn't we just keep putting more energy towards them? <laughs> and that's when I developed my theory of, uh, what I call spirits matching funds program. <laughs> All right. So um, when we do spells and when I'm talking about ritual magic, I'm like, okay, we have an intention um, to co-create 
quantum immunity for everyone on the planet, you know, to be safe from, you know, the pandemic thing, you know, that that was something that was definitely, you know, uh, an intention. That's just one example. One of our intentions is to co-create healing and protection so that fewer people get Lyme disease and so people who have it, you know, will heal and recover and whatever. So that Mm -hmm. was like another example, right? Um, um, Where's I going with that? So um, basically I would just write the intention down and then I would just read it and ask, you know, do I have permission to move energy for this intention? And when I get a yes, then I burn the intention. So I would always give a pep talk as I was doing a, a, I do a live for the cup and I go live and do ritual magic so that, because a lot of women, they don't, uh, they may be interested in magic, but they don't have their own ritual practice yet. So basically the level of my coven was, um, you know, to get everyone involved in the intention making process. And then I would go live and do the magic. And I also encouraged anyone to do their own ritual if they wanted to, but I thought it was like a little too much to try to get everybody on a thing to do a ritual together. It seemed like Mm -hmm. if you have a chance, you know, to light a candle and, you know, towards read the intentions or whatever, you know, and then I'm going to do my thing. And then also, so if some women want to do magic, but really just don't have an altar or they're raising three kids and they just don't have the time or the energy. Like they can literally just pop my live on and like intend along with the live. So I wanted it to be like an entryway for women um, to, yeah, to be exposed to ritual magic uh, theory and practice. So the matching funds program, I realized that every time that I burn an intention, whatever quanta of energy of intention that is coming from you know all the women in the coven and you know that I'm gathering that and that I'm intending that and I write it down and I burn it so I send like a packet of energy out to spirit and say hey spirit here I am I realize actually that I'm a cosmic sovereign and that I can co-create like anyone, and then I can actually co-create in a way that will shift things in the entire quantum field. And so I'm showing up here in faith to be a co-creator here to work with you, to partner with spirit. And spirit's like, oh, my child, I've been waiting for you to wake up to your power. I'm so glad that you're here to co-create with me. Let's do this thing, you know? And like spirit is so happy when we just realize that when we show up, in relationship with spirit to move with the desire and like some ritual activity to move energy, to make the world a better place. Here comes the matching funds. So I send a quanta of energy toward a thing. All right. So here's an example, the kids at the border camps. All right. Uh, I would have an intention for to send them energy so that somehow to reduce their suffering. So maybe one of those children are lying cold in bed. Maybe that energy goes so that they're literally just, spirit can change their body temperature. You know what I mean? Like, like, like or if, if, a, if a child is really, really sad, they could actually feel the, the embrace of an angel. Or if, if a child is, is sick, that spirit could heal them. Like, but Mm -hmm. until we show up to move the energy, 
that child's not going to get that unless mm-hmm. we show up to do it. Mm-hmm. But if we show up to do it, spirit's like, yes, I re- accept your energy. I add more energy. And what spirit does is when you show up to co-create for collective liberation in alignment with the highest and best interests of every single human being in the collective, spirit says, I accept your energy. I add mine. And imagine if that energy is just like little subatomic particles. So here's what spirit does with that. Spirit sends the energy exactly to the subatomic locations in the quantum field that need it the most to make your intention happen. And what that means is that energy shows up at an exact place and time, and it actually changes reality. And so really, we have to do a lot more than just burn spells. But if we were all burning spells, co-creating with spirit, we would be moving so much energy. And like, this is a way that we really need to be showing up is doing magic. And the other way that we need to be showing up is doing group healing energy work where we can actually heal the people who show up to do the group work and heal the collective at the same time. Mm -hmm. So healing a group of people does flow out to the collective, but the work that I do is actually so the that the energy that we're moving will directly not only release stuff from our bodies that has to do with the heaviness of feeling wounded and feeling hurt and feeling down or sad or angry or resentful or left behind or lonely or isolated. All those things are heavy. And so we can move that heaviness out of our bodies and we can actually move and speak energy magically to reduce that heaviness of the collective. And so I already know how to like directly name woundedness so that we can move it out of ourselves and move it out of the collective. So we just need more people showing up to do the energy work besides like going to your school board and making a fuss over, you know, them masking your kids or, or, you know, carrying a sign somewhere. I mean, these are good things. Everyone's at different levels of consciousness. They're at different ability levels and different access to resources and different places and times, but something that everyone can do from wherever they are is magic. Mm. So it's so accessible. And you know what they say? Nothing is revolutionary unless it's accessible to the poor. Guess what's accessible to the poor? Magic and energy work, the way I teach. Mm-hmm. You know, and the way other people teach. I'm just saying that at least I, I can't speak for everybody's magic and energy work, but at least the magic and energy work that I am doing it is accessible to the poor. And so it is truly revolutionary. And I feel like that's like a huge topic in of itself. And like, I, I know that we're kind of moving into the last bit uh of the show but i just want to also give um just a kind of a statement that um the there have been amazing ways in which magic have helped people um i know that uh for uh black people voodoo and hoodoo was a major and it still is a major practice sure um, sure that's always been major... part of resistance uh, uh against colonialism mm-hmm. yeah and uh i don't know 
I don't know the full history of Dion Fortune, like if she was, um, what kind of person, person uh, she was. I did read the Battle of Britain and how she formed a magical uh, group. And the interesting thing is she didn't resist Hitler. Instead, she focused on the morale of the British people. And so she would have, um, on Wednesday, every Wednesday, she would send out letters to the people in her meditation group and then they would get together on Sundays and they would perform perform a meditation and they ended up creating channels between themselves and the inner planes and so um some archetypal characters came through wow um, that was uh specific to Britain uh it was uh King Arthur Merlin and Jesus so it was specific oh. to that spot at that time oh but it's just like they that's what they did they didn't resist him they knew that he was like probably using occult magic too yeah. but rather than waste their energy resisting him they focused on morale and it, it helped really? I think it helped well, well, healing lifts morale see the mm -hmm. thing is when people are healed they in every moment whatever they're doing wherever they are whoever they're interacting with when they have more compassion for themselves mm -hmm. they have more compassion for others and so they're going to show up embodied in real life in every moment treating people with love and compassion and that mm -hmm. creates more opportunities for healing in the space that they're in so yeah. like the revolution is when you show up wherever you go with compassion, loving kindness, magic, healing, activations where you're going to just elevate and spark people everywhere you go. And the better mm -hmm. they feel, the better they're going to help other people feel when they come in. So it, it's, it, it's viral, you know, like mm -hmm. but everybody's, everybody's personal vibration feeds into the collective field. And mm -hmm. so you can make things go viral in the field just with your own energy. It's just that we've been talked out of our power. Yeah. Down and convinced. It's a whole reversal. We are the most powerful beings. Uh, you know, we're cosmic sovereigns. We're fractals of source. And, we're be, and we've been tricked through occult, you know, uh, fuckery. Sorry. <laughs> you know, um, that we don't have any power. And yeah, I think that is the biggest reversal and the biggest lie in the cosmos. Yeah, and as soon as we realize that we actually have power, just the vibration that we hold of in our bodies of knowing that we're not powerless actually saps the power from the people who are used to oppressing us because mm -hmm. their power is a vibrational matrix. And when we can have a more powerful vibrational matrix than they do, then their vibrational matrix shatters. And it, 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 we don't have to destroy them directly. We destroy them indirectly mm -hmm. by holding a higher field. And then they're like, when we're holding a field, if you like in terms of like physics and vibration you know like it's messing up their field we need mm -hmm. to hold a better field than they're holding and their field is gonna lose and yeah. if we bring the vibe high enough like their thing will actually like oh yeah and and that's how we beat the transhumanists we mm -hmm. explode their vibrational matrix by creating a better one mm, i agree mm.
Oh yeah, I like I feel that it's really. <laughs> and when you can really feel that in your body, then you are lit and ready to set mm. the rest of the world on fire. <laughs> and I feel like this is like just um. I mean, there's so like I, but I also want to uh, acknowledge that we're probably getting close to the, sure. the end of the podcast. But uh, I mean, just maybe at, on a finishing or kind of like a conclusion, if anyone who's listening to this, how can they get in touch with you if they can, so they can can begin their healing journeys and start to kind of get involved with the being co-creators of, uh, with the universe. Cool. All right. Well, the easiest way right now is um, I have my uh, Witch Works Healing Ministry uh, website on my Facebook profile. My Facebook profile is J-E-W-E-L-Y, Jewelie, Ann, A-N-N. Um, uh, so I have a custom URL. It's witchworkshealingministry.org. Right now, my website is parked on a Wix that I haven't connected to my uh, custom URL. So I wish I had a, a more professional answer. Um, right now, people are literally just messaging me on Facebook, okay. um, and and I am trying to set up like a, a scheduler um, so that I can be like a little bit more professional in 2022. So I'll just pe- send people like a, a link, and they can like pick their own thing. But right right now, I'm mm. kind of just like. Um, as a single person, I'm just, you know, personally scheduling with everyone, but I'd like to automate mm-hmm. what I'm doing just a little bit more just to make it, easy, the, you know, at least the scheduling thing that would make things better. And then mm-hmm. I really should just migrate my, um, my website to my custom URL and that'll be more helpful. Um, I've been talking about launching group sessions for over a year, and I've been also going through other things in my life that I needed to go through to gain more mm-hmm. wisdom. So part of me would be tempted to be like, oh, I didn't get off my ass. I could have been last year. But like, honestly, I think that I wasn't ready for that. That source had other things for me to be learning. But I do, um, 2022, I will be running group sessions so that they can have applications. Like, so I just want to light your mind, you know, with just a couple ideas. Like for one example, I could do a group session for like, people who had narcissistic mothers, you know, and mm. we're all going to heal together. Or I could do a group session for people who are like really, really sad because they have people in their lives who have like vaccine damage, you know, mm-hmm. and like for anybody who wants to show up and do work on like, maybe people have vaccine damage or people they know, you know, but we can do like a right. session on vaccine damage. I mean, so like the applications are really limitless, basically. Mm-hmm for anything that anyone is trying to accomplish or any justice that we're trying to co-create or any suffering that we're trying to decrease, I have a way through divination of like naming the woundedness or naming what I call the drag coefficient. So anything you want to do, there are like a bunch of quantum probabilistic timelines of how that could turn out. And some of them turn out better than others. You know, there are lower vibrational quantum probabilistic timelines and higher vibrational quantum probabilistic timelines. So I have learned through my process 
to like the lower vibrational ones are what I call less aligned and the higher vibrational ones are more in alignment with your grace and ease and perfect timing when everything turns out perfectly, that type of thing. So anything we want to accomplish or any justice that we want to create, we can name the drag coefficient and we literally take the bottom yicky lowest vibrational uh, timelines and cancel them because we took the woundedness out. So once you delete those lower vibrations, say I delete a hundred lower vibrational timelines, we open up a hundred higher vibrational timelines for more alignment, more liberation, more love, more peace, more joy. So like there is no limit to my process. Like it applies to everything. Anything that you can name that you want to accomplish to either co-create more justice or reduce suffering, I can get a, a wounded, I can get a shadow signature is what I call it uh, and, and name the drag coefficient and we laser it off. Wow. My, my best friend, she goes to the Akashic Records and she finds people's cosmic names. Like everybody has multiple names of like what their powers are. <laughs> and so she's given me a bunch of my cosmic names actually. And the one that she gave me most recently is called Lurista. And Lurista means time cutter. And that's literally what I do with my process. I cut the lower vibrational timelines until they don't exist and open the new ones. And this is real and material reality to the point where like I broke down in the middle of nowhere, like uh, what state was it? Wyoming, Um, like 20 miles from any town, you know, and I did energy work on the side of the road. I deleted the lower vibrational timelines where my car wasn't working and I drew and I could opened up a bunch of higher vibrational timelines where my car was working and I drove away. No. Oh, wow. Holy Mac. <laughs> I can't make this stuff up anyway. That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I hope to get my website aligned and, you know, get a scheduler and, um, uh, and, and to launch group sessions. And honestly, a lot of people, finally, there's like a critical mass of people asking me like how can I get trained to do what you do and that has been the driving force of which works healing ministry from the beginning it was never a oh I have a talent and you have to come to me forever over and over again it's like no actually anyone who has one session with me as you know it was exactly what I do they can buy the cards and you could literally, anyone could do my process. And I have so many free videos up just for anybody who wants to, uh, on my Witchworks Healing Ministry page and even on my personal profile, if you go to my videos, I have a lot of videos and any of the ones that say like a free healing, um, it'll usually be in the title or the description or, you know, I'll say like mm-hmm. this free healing. If you, anybody who watches those, like will watch me role model my process will know exactly what I do and everything's open source. Like I don't sell a training course, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm not trying to get anybody to buy my program, you know, like I tell you the mantras I use, I give my clearing statement away. Anybody could do what I do. And, and I'm always like, you know, if you want to come back to me for more stuff, that's great. But if you can just take these skills and run with them, go. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'll be sure to like include your um the the link to your website and your Facebook as it profile. currently is. Thank you. Yeah, as it currently is in the the show notes for anyone who's interested in um 
connecting with you. Okay, and great. that's amazing. That's tr- that's totally inspiring. It's like you just you know teaching people how to be their own liberators and well, you know, yeah, you know, and- I, I I was so sad from my experience of like meeting magical people and like not getting any activations with them. I was like, oh man, I don't want everybody to think that they're not magic. You know, I don't want anyone mm-hmm. to think that I have something that they don't because that's not true. Like mm-hmm. all it takes to be all it takes to tap into your own magic is some tools mm-hmm. and a couple skill sets and they can all be taught and then the rest is practice 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 and practice is what a big it one. is yeah magical child shadow is when you think that you can do magic without like really practicing yeah. and i'm here to tell you that thousands of hours of practice gets the goods you will be so magical you won't be able to believe what you can do if you really spend time on it mm-hmm. I think I'll have to order one of those sessions with you. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, th- thanks so much for this opportunity. Uh, yeah. I really appreciated it. And I love the work that you're doing here. <laughs> well, thank you. And is it uh, all right? Like maybe, um, you know, maybe a month or so down the road, if we reconnect, because like there was so much still that I would love it. Um, that I would love to talk to you about like the Demi. I think it was the, uh, the it was in your video. Yeah, the demi urge. Oh yeah, because uh, it it felt uh, there is a book that I've um, or I haven't read the book, but I've I've seen the lectures by a African scholar Marimba Ani, and uh, she wrote a book called Yurugu. And when I heard about the demi urge, uh, it kind of reminded me of like white supremacy and kind of the origins of where that came from. And she explores that, that in her book. That is, you know, what what I say is like, we think that like patriarchy and colonialism are the problem, but they actually came from, I mean, the the overarching issue of that is called Watiko, which means like humanities in humanity to other mm-hmm. humans. And, and, but like, where did that come from? It came mm-hmm. from demiurgy. Patriarchy is the lower octave of demiurgy and demiurgy is like patriarchy that was installed by off-planetary agents who were mm. and violent. And so that's where, that's where patriarchy literally comes from. It's not a phenomenon okay. of earth. It was installed by abusive off-planetary agents. Wow. <laughs> that's, then and that's where like um that's part of where like i don't want to stay in shadow with my podcast but the intention is to just bring awareness sure and yeah. so then we can start to because then we can start to heal as a collective if we understand like okay this is what this this thing is there's different names for it and right, there's different right. names, all, names all over different cultures for it but this is what this thing is and we it can be healed, I think. And once you can name something, oh my God, it's so powerful, but you don't want to get stuck in just like naming a problem yeah. and then institutionalizing your woundedness. You want to find out how to be at yeah. cause over the situation. Yes. Yeah, and that's probably naming it. When you get that, when you understand what you're finally looking at, what you're finally dealing with it, it's so, so helpful. And then you can be- best know what to do about it when you really truly mm-hmm. understand the nature that's of the thing. That's the true intentions of this cafe is to like, yes, be aware of the issue, but then it's just like, well, we can go this way. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, what can we do? Because that's yeah. what I see, uh, you know, people doing these posts on transhumanism and everyone under there is like, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah. And I'm always leaving comments like, this is what I do. This yeah. is what I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what I do as well. 
I want you, it's not because it's about me, me, me. It's because I'm trying to give people marriageable activation so that they know what is possible. Because mm-hmm. when I read something and someone's like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm like, oh, well, if they're doing that, then that's something that might be possible. I just want people yeah. to know, you know, what 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 is possible. And the best possible way that I can do that is by role modeling and just talking mm-hmm. about my life. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that's that's brilliant. And I thank you so much for coming uh, for uh, willing to speak. Pleasure. I, I'd love to come back. So many wonderful things to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And like, and I just want to also make a just a quick announcement too that I'm going to be taking a break and the show will resume on the January 9th, 2022. I can't believe we're almost into 2022. I know, and right? that's uh, when I'm also going to be introducing Rudolf Steiner's work because he was a, a mystic and sure. I'm a big fan of Alana Freeland and, yeah, um, yeah. and I, I appreciate her books on geoengineering, but I'm also interested in like how we can start developing our consciousness. Yay. And that's something that uh, Steiner has written about. And so I'm going to be talking about one of his books, uh, Esoteric Science, which I just starting and understanding like humans are older, much, we're so much more, old, so much older than what any historian has said like we've gone through epochs and yeah. we're supposed to continue to evolve and not get trapped in these robot yeah bodies. yeah so, yeah yeah so i'm excited but like thank you so much julia and or julie sorry and thank you i just really appreciate you coming through and i hope that the listeners i'm sure they had a, a really nice time listening to you as well and be well, I wasn't in my top articulate form tonight. I had a little dental work uh, this morning, which had me just a little off my game, but uh, hopefully some good points came through. Uh, thank yeah. you. I know I, I, oh, I think was so. a little uh, <laughs> rambling, but I did my best. So thank you. Oh, I think, I think there's <laughs> a lot of really good time. stuff. Definitely. Okay. All right.